in my experience in the church, it's always been rather than actually valuing one another's giftings, it's the apostles are threats to the shepherds and the prophets are threats to the teachers. And there's this, rather than valuing the, the beauty yeah. of the checks and balances, we're actually opposed to one another and view each other as enemies. Yeah, that's true, Heath. And, and that's why, I mean, the Ephesians text actually starts in Ephesians 4.1. And 1 to 7 talks about strive for the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. You know, you to mm -hmm. maintain your sense of connectedness because your diversity will split you apart if you don't have a deeper sense of unity. And so wow. this is why it's critical to actually strive to, you know, to recognize each other fundamentally in Christ where there's one church, we all belong to each other. Now you can go diverse. And by the way, guys, I think it's really important for your audience. To the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Well, here we go again. Hey, you know what? It finally happened. Uh-huh. Tina and I caught the COVID. Yeah, I thought we escaped it. We've had all the vaccinations and boosters known to man, and yet we caught the old coronavirus. And I'll tell you what's really ironic about this. I was just in Raleigh. A friend of mine, Daniel, said, you never got coronavirus yet? And I'm like, no, I haven't. Don't jinx me. Well, I got home from that trip, and within a few days, I was not feeling great. Tina got it first, and then I got it. You can probably hear it. I'm a little congested. And uh, I'm going to have to change course a little bit on today's topic because of this. I'll tell you about that more in a little bit here. First, I want to invite you over to the Facebook group. If you've not joined us there yet, please do so. Head on over to Facebook, look it up, Everyday Disciple Podcast, or you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash podcast. And as always, I want to ask, would you please share the podcast with somebody? Would you send out a link, uh, a mention? a link to something, whatever you're listening on Spotify or an Apple podcast or whatever, and just share the show if it, you're finding it to be a blessing. And one last thing, if you're interested in learning a full framework for discipleship and mission, if you want to grow in your gospel fluency and learn how to apply and live out the gospel in all of life, I'd love to tell you more about the coaching that we offer. I'd set up a Zoom call, get on there with you, explain everything to you. Tina and I coach together as couples. And we would love to coach you and your spouse if you're married. If you're not, we're still happy to coach you. And we want to set you up for a big win and the ability to make some really big progress moving forward starting this fall. To get all the information you need and to set up a call, just go over to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. I'd love to at least talk to you about it, see what you think, get you the information, and maybe we can get on this journey together. Now, I was supposed to be talking with you today about how to stop taking everything personally, but because of the coronavirus and feeling quite under the weather the last few days, the whole brain fog thing has kept me from being able to do the research and pull my thoughts together in the way that I really want to. But I'm really excited about where it's heading, and we'll get to that next week on the podcast. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a conversation with you that Heath Hollinsby and I had with Alan Hirsch, and it's wonderful. 
I don't even have to really set it up all that much. It's about leadership in the church and why we're not seeing people growing to maturity and why our churches aren't even growing the way they should be. And it's all connected to Jesus and his gifts to us as the church. So let me just dive in. I think you're really going to love it. We're about to talk with one of my favorite people in like all of the world and Christendom. <laughs> what a what a treat. Alan Hirsch. Is right. I mean, how many books of his have like just rocked you? Oh, nonstop. Some like of our YouTube listeners are going, videos? I've never heard of this guy. And I'm just telling you like, you, yeah, you yeah. needed to. You need to. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Alan is actually considered among many pastors and even Christian world leaders to be a key mission strategist uh, for churches all across He's the West. He's Yoda. <laughs> he is the Yoda of the missional movement, the father of modern missions. Right? I'll probably call him that and see what he... <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's it's such a treat to have him here. I know you guys have been buddies for quite a while as well. Yeah, we we, we met like years ago and yeah, it's just, it's great. I, you know what? He's going to, he's going to so fill our heads and hearts with some stuff that's going to like be er, like paradigm shifting. It should be like three episodes. So let's just go ahead and let's get them on and get rolling because we're going to need the time today. Okay, man. Perfect. Okay. So I have to say, Alan, first off, I'm really grateful that you're on with us. I think our listeners, many of them are going to know who you are, bro. They're just, they're going to know the Yoda of missional and all of life thinking. <laughs> I know you probably hate that, but, um, but I got to tell people like Alan and I have been friends for a really long time and I count that a blessing. I was going to live in your basement, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, man, I would have given you a room upstairs, but um, yeah, no kidding. I, I mean, really in Tacoma, that would have been something, but we met a long time ago, man, when, when the Soma days were just kicking in and, and you and Mike Frost were, sort of waving this banner of something different and and we were like what but man god blessed us with favor and we became friends man so i you and debs are some of my most favorite people our listeners probably remember when we had deb hershon that's uh, alan's counterpart and just the the beautiful soul (laughs) of this world man she's awesome Hey, so today we're going to get into something that I know is really, man, it's become your heart's passion in the in the grander scheme of all the things that you've helped many of us learn and rethink. Um, this understanding of apest, uh, Ephesians 4, apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, you know, shepherds, teachers, we're going to get into all that. Um, and I, I just want to start quickly, Alan, if it's cool, by reviewing for our listeners that critical passage from Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, um, and, and just, you know, set a little basis for this, because I know we can just skip over this and, like, apply it so minimally, but you're going to tell us maybe why we need to rethink some. So here's the passage for our listeners, Ephesians 4. Paul's talking uh, to the church, and he's going, so Christ himself gave these gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, wow, we all want that, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's the passage. Now, traditionally, I think we as the church and leaders within the church have sort of run past this and the deeper implications, the keys to life and maturity that this Jesus wants for us all. So um, I remember when when God started waking me up to some of this, and I, it was because of you, Alan. <laughs> um, I I just uh, it was it was like, why? How come I haven't experienced all this? Like I run into lots of pastors. Um, I was pastoring, um, but I don't know. Am I running into like fully formed, mature apostles and uh, evangelists and? prophets and the whole thing you know so anyway um so what is the biggest thing from this important part of scripture do you think we've been missing 
Like if I was to ask it that way, before you start teaching on it, what do you think is the biggest thing we've been missing? Well, actually, I think it's just that we haven't taken the text at all seriously uh, at, at all. Um, um, it, you know, Paul in, in, in the text there actually is saying that uh, in his ascension, which is not an insignificant aspect of Jesus' ministry, he's going to the right hand of the Father, so it's kind of his executive lordship of the universe. And he, in his going up, he bequeaths Apest, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher, to the very foundation of the church. I mean, this is in his ascension. The other ascension text, by the way, Caesar, as you know, is one we take reasonably serious is the Great Commission. He's, he's about to go to the Father and he, is, he commissions his church. Now, both of these and other ascension texts have a very heavy weight. Yeah, we put a lot of weight. We put a lot of weight on the, on the uh, go and make disciples one, right? We don't do it, but we put a lot more weight on that one. Yeah. But more weight on it than we have on the Ephesians text. But you can't dismiss it. I mean, it's part of the resurrection cycle. So it's got, it's got theological weight, gravitas, you know. So um, but the problem is that we pretty much disres- disrespected what it's saying. So he gives apis to the church. And, and you mentioned those terms for the um, – you know, for for for, uh, for the maturity of the church, I mean, that's important. The word is in the Greek, the teleos, is being complete. Everything God intended for us, right? So that's what the word means. And by the way, again, for people, we're going to say apest a lot, and that's an acronym just for those yeah. those things: apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teacher, or shepherd, teacher. So uh, yeah, so so you know, uh, and then uh, you know, it it, it says you know. Um, so that we might attain to the fullness of Christ. I mean, my goodness, surely that's something every Christian or every church is interested in. And so, you know, I just think we've disregarded the text. Uh, and there have been a whole lot of political reasons for that and a whole lot of sociological reasons for it about, you know, uh, wanting a kind of a more equilibrium-based organization. But I, I think that, that much of our immaturity, much of our incapacity to be the church that Jesus intended us to be and designed us to be, is bound up with with taking this text very much more seriously than we currently do. Alan, I can remember being, and this is way back machine, okay? I remember being at a church building in Ghana, and I saw a poster. I think I probably told you this somewhere along the road. I saw this poster for this church event that was coming up, and it had pictures of all the people speaking at the event from this church, and it had underneath their name, it had like apostle, it had evangelist, it had prophet, you know, their name, so it would be like, you know. You know, it would be the man or woman, and they had all these different people represented. And I remember asking a friend of mine who was like really smart teaching pastor at the church I was a part of the time. I said, "Hey, there's you know I've read this passage in Ephesians. Obviously, I've seen it, but how come I've never seen all these? I only see pastors, and then every once in a while you and people fear you know they fear prophets, but we see, everybody's called a pastor." Yeah. And um, and then every once in a while there's an evangelist, but that like we all think Billy Graham, that's someone on stage, you know, who's yes. doing big yeah. big shows, very, right? Very stereotyped understanding of it. Yeah, right. So why do you think, like for the least all of our lives, why do you think we've just sort of really focused on the one, but to the exclusion of the other four primarily, or or one or two, you know? Yes, yeah, so it's the two really. It's the shepherd or the pastor and the teacher. Interesting thing, quirky, okay. Well, this is really important. I mean, language in the Bible is really important. When it, mm. when a word is used regularly, yeah. it carries weight. It's revelatory, okay? Absolutely. So how, guess how many times the word for pastor is the word, um, you know, which I translate shepherd's a better translation, poimen. How many times does that, you think, come up for the ministry of believers in the New Testament? Well, You'd, you'd think it's a ton because every church only primarily has pastors. That's exactly but, right. It's only used but, once, dude. Once. Wow. Like, so crazy. 
It's once. This is the only place where it's used as a noun to describe the ministry of believers in the New Testament. So it must be a pretty rare gift. <laughs> well, if, I think that the imagery is there. There's no question that the function of the pastor and the shepherding function is really important. I don't want to dismiss it, but it doesn't carry the weight we put on it. Also, another thing I would say, it's when the, we use the word pastor, it's not the way the Bible uses the term. We've overblown it to mean everything. It's a catch-all phrase for every form of leadership. But actually, in the Bible, it's only used once. <laughs> Get perspective, you know? Yet they tend to be the, the ones when there's only enough budget for one person. It's always the shepherd that gets the budget, right? Well, and that shepherd might not actually be one. It might be a teacher, might be and an evangelist. Dabble in a couple. So that's the problem, too. The other one is the teacher, right, which is used about 14 times in that same form. Uh, most of the references to teacher deductively in, in, in the New Testament refers to false teachers, interestingly because they screw up the church, right? So the Bible takes that very seriously because it gets into the head and, and messes with the faith of the church. The interesting thing is that when we get clear teachings in James, let not many of you be teachers. He says, because the tongue is set in fire by hell, it's the little rudder that steers the whole ship, it's the fire that causes of conflagration. How do we train people for ministry in standard form? Teacher, primarily, and shepherd, secondary. You have to wonder about our faithfulness and our loyalty to Scripture. And, and the beautiful thing, guys, about, about the apist thing is a wonderful proportion to it. Uh, I call it symmetry. Um, uh, in other words, if you look at, at the APE, we haven't given definition to these, but uh, apostle is the one who's most kind of feels strongly about the mission and the extension of the ministry of the church or the organization. Um, it's pioneering, uh, experimental, uh, entrepreneurial by nature because – you have to be trying new things on the edges. Uh, the prophet is the attentive to God, um, keeps loyalty, faithfulness in, in our life. He pays attention to God's holiness and his, you know, his justice within the community of faith. Um, the evangelist is the recruiter to the cause, um, the infectious person, the one who sneezes the message, you know, of the church or the or the organization. So. These are actually what I call generative generative forms. The shepherd teacher are what I call operative or sustaining form. And in all movements, you need both. Hmm. You, you cannot survive. I, let me put this in context um, of any organization. In, in, in any organization, HR, human resources, is that part of the organization that looks after onboarding, uh, uh, com, you know, compliance to policy procedure, teaching sides of things so people are aware of what they're doing. And then also conflict re resolution, human flourishing and development, all that stuff, right? Really yeah. important. Every organization needs it. I think it does. Yeah. I ask the question, can you run an organization on HR alone? The answer is no, not likely. Of course not. Even, even an HR company can't run an organization that on HR alone. Yeah, they've got, they've got salespeople, recruiters, they've got development, new yes. ground, new frontiers, all that. They don't exist as an HR company even. So, so why in the church do we think we can run the church on HR alone and get away with it and be healthy? Yeah. And I would argue, guys, that's where, where, where our dysfunction comes from. We are trying to do the ministry of Christ, which is a fivefold form. He embodies those in the perfect form. He gives it to the body, the embodiment of Christ. So we're trying to do what Jesus did, which is what the church is meant to be doing. We're meant to take what Jesus did and extend it. We don't produce that. We, Jesus did it, and we take it and we extend it. Right? Our job is to embody it and pass it on. 
the thing is, we're trying to only do two parts of Jesus' five-part ministry. And we, and there is our dysfunction, friends. I mean, you can't do it that way. Alan, I hope our listeners are picking up on, on this because this just lays out why we see such a rapid decline in our lifetime of the church and people uh, engaged in the kingdom of God and the, and, and the formal organization of the saints as the church because we, are, we clearly, no one could argue that we, we see full mature functioning of all five of these functions. We've, we've kind of retreated to a maintenance mode of, of some teaching and soul care. But where's the expansion? Where's the, where's the adapting to cultural shift? Where's the new frontier? Where's the understanding as people change? And, they're, uh, and speaking truth to power, truth to power, and then recruiting, getting people excited about the cause of which we're part of, which is the evangelist. Truth to power, which are prophetic thing to, to call to account the church and her unfaithfulness. Because darn, man, we've, we demonstrate every year more and more how unfaithful the church can be. Yeah. Um, you know, we need the prophetic voice to hold us to account, you know, and to call us to relationship in God. You know, we, but taking those out, we can never be faithful. We can never extend. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, you know me well enough. My real passion is to see the church become a movement again that can extend and adapt and evolve. If you take the one most likely in the organization of the church to to, to remind the church of its sentness, it's, uh, is the missio function, missio and sentness, same word. The one who's, who's going to remind you of that is the apostella, which is the sent one. Uh, if you take the sent one out, if you exclude in principle before you've even started the possibility of apostolic ministry, then what actually happens is that you forget the church forgets, doesn't understand sentness. So guess what? You can ask most people in most churches to uh, find an apostle, and this is what happens, right? You get get this. Oh, uh, uh, they're in the Bible, uh, uh, which is they are in the Bible, but they're also outside the Bible because it was a secular function. So that's not even a really correct answer. Um, and then the other one, uh, there were twelve of them, which is not a correct answer either because there were more than twelve, mm, right. um, and one was a woman. Uh, there were at least 30 is what we can determine in Scripture that we got named. Now, here's the thing. If you exclude that, and by the way, the, the, the term is used over 80 times, 8-0, as opposed to the one for shepherd, work it out. Wow. Uh, most people can't define it. And so there's our problem. We don't understand the missionary or the entrepreneurial function. No kidding. Because we we we're not allowed to use that language without kind of getting our asses caned. And you know what you know what you know what echoes through my brain right now as you're just talking is and I think about you know in the Acts passage where it says this the early church they sat regularly they sat at the feet of the apostles right yeah. meaning I mean they were just soaking in like hey what's next where do we go what are you hearing from God and who as a church do we sit at the feet of hmm. teachers pastors yep. maybe an evangelistic pastor someone like a Bill Hybels yeah. or whatever right yeah. but. Yeah. But how many churches, if you said, listen, maybe what's going on with our decline uh, denominationally or just individually as a church body, um, maybe it's because we have never sat at the feet of an apostle. And in fact, we're afraid of them. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, that's what I've, in my experience in the church, it's always been, rather than actually valuing one another's giftings, it's the apostles are threats to the shepherds and the prophets are, are threats to the teachers. And, and there's this, rather than valuing the the beauty yeah. of the checks and balances, we're actually opposed to one another and view each other as enemies. Yeah, that's true, Heath. And, and that's why, I mean, the Ephesians text actually starts in Ephesians 4.1. And 1 to 7 talks about strive for the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, you to mm. maintain your sense of connectedness 
because your diversity will split you apart if you don't have a deeper sense of unity. And so this is why it's critical to actually, you know, strive to, you know, to recognize each other fundamentally in Christ where there's one church, we all belong to each other, and now you can go diverse. And by the way, guys, I think it's really important for your audience What's exciting, we often use it as a leadership conversation. Actually, in the book of Ephesians, it's not about leadership, mm-hmm. not in the first instance. Mm. The radical way of taking this is that the, the, the hearers of this text were not a group of leaders or a seminary. It's a group of local hacks in, in the local churches, right? And yeah. they were small house churches, missional-sized yeah. churches, wow. right? So, so when it says in verse 7, to, to, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it, right? We have to say that to each one of us means that all of us, every all of God's people are every believer, yeah, is somehow in the framework here. Everyone's being referred to, so all of us will find our broadest sense of calling, and that's what I think it is: its vocation, our calling within the five, somewhere within the categories of five or admixtures of the five. And I think that is the remarkable thing: everyone can find themselves as apostolic in nature, sensing they got the. The entrepreneurial instinct that risk takers by nature, well, you know, they might not be leaders at this stage. They might just simply have a natural instinct for it, or some are naturally instinctively prophetic folk, God attentive, justice oriented. Um, some are just natural evangelists. Man, anyone with an Apple Mac is an evangelist, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's good news. Yeah. It's super good news. Hey, so so a lot of this is covered actually in Permanent Revolution. Yes. Last book, um, which just game changer for, uh, yeah, I remember you'd sent me an advanced copy that years ago. And I remember saying to you and many other people, if the church actually read this and believed what scripture said, game changer. I mean, like the whole thing would just be rocked on its axis. Now, now just flashback to a few months ago. I remember when you're still finishing up 5Q, your, your newest book, and you were telling me why you were so excited about it and how God had actually, as you were researching and writing this and just really spending time with the Lord, how God had been revealing some pretty big stuff for you personally and how it was growing your love for Christ even. You remember yeah, that? No, yeah. Well, it, it coincided with a very wonderful time in my own life of a great sense of renewal in prayer and I, I don't think that's coincidental. I don't think it's – I'm not claiming anything more than just I've, I've had a fantastic renewal in the Lord for the last seven or so years. And um, it's just – somehow when the writing, it just came to the fore at that point. But but here's the thing is that – I mean, I've always loved this text. It goes back as far as I can remember. I think it's really important to what it means to be a movement. You have to have – to be a movement, you have to have missional – capacity and leadership and, and functionality and, and you can't do it without a best i've always felt that yeah so that's you know permanent revolution it comes up in just about all my books okay but yeah. then what actually began to take place with 5q i was really interested in if you what it would mean to look at an organization or a church as an organization through the lens of the fivefold not just as people individuals but look at the organization in that term and what actually happened is that i've I, Thought that's a pretty easy go. I've done serious, hefty books on this. I, I'll get this done in ten thousand words and give it away as a free ebook. <laughs> but what actually began to happen is that I got to delve into this idea of functions and looking at in the created order that in, in all of God's world everywhere, these patterns are evident. They're called archetypes, which are recurring patterns or um, themes or concepts that come through culture, history. We know them archetypes in personality, why are some of us similar? 
and how we're different. It's all about archetypes, right? right? So this is actually, when you look at that, man, it just opens the game up because what you're looking at, this is what began to blow my head off, is that actually it's a way of categorizing broader culture and broader capacities and you could look way outside the church. Hey, connect some dots for us here in that. So like, I think probably I'm sitting here listening to this. A lot of our listeners are, they work at churches, many people, uh, they're thinking about their own church structure, polity, you know, how the leadership is structured and they're going, wow, this is opening up some new thought to me. Um, let's, let's drop this down. Let's drop the cookies down a little lower on the shelf. Since like you just said a few minutes ago, the, what Jesus is talking uh, I mean, Paul is talking to the whole church here that, that what Jesus has given. It's it's not just a leadership passage. And so yes. let's let's talk a little bit about like how does how does this organizational structure and archetypes how does it even begin to play out? Just everybody has a job, and if it's not at a church, which is going to be most people, how does even understanding this and how the church connects to culture? Like, let's just talk a little bit about that. Like, like, well, in a sense, the church as the body of Christ uh, ultimately takes what Jesus. Jesus' ministry, and its job is to live out what Jesus bequeathed to it. Uh, not just the fivefold, but definitely including the fivefold. And I think the fivefold really is a great way of understanding the ministry of Jesus. So for all of us, that matters, because all of us are ministers in every sphere and domain of society. Every believer has got some sort of vocation, some sort of calling that's distinct to them, that only they can do. And I believe that by beginning to see how we're shaped in Christ, um, for our distinctive contribution, APIS plays a very significant role in that. Uh, and the language of Ephesians, again, I don't want to be geeky here, hints at identity shaping. It's called the indicative mood. Mm. It's, it shapes who we are. So I would argue that everyone can find themselves. In this. So, you know, and by the way, just this is quirky but interesting that the language I said of APIS precedes the church. It's not particularly church language. I mean, the word apostle was a secular function. The, the Bible takes it over and gives it eh, nuance, but it's still a function that had the same definition as what its use was outside. So was evangelist, so was prophet. And prophet so too. Teacher, Prophets were that, yeah. That's exactly right. So all the functions exist outside the church. Boom. And here's wow. the thing is that they, yes, they're broken because in the fallen world, they don't perfectly carry the weight that God intended for them in designing them in the first place. But they still reflect something of his nature. And this is true to our doctrine of creation and our theology of the creator, um, which is another aspect of 5Q, by the way. But uh, so, so I would say that all of us, are, we can find creational design, but also in sense of, you know, in the church, you can find more continuity with what you do inside and outside the church. Church for us is a Sunday affair. You know, it's locked in on, on you know, on the weekends, perhaps. In the Bible, church is ecclesia. It's called the called out ones who, live their life in the context of every sphere and domain of society. That is, everyone's in the ballgame, and Jesus is renewing the entire world through renewing his church, because the church is connected with the entire his world. His church is people, so it's, it's the, renewing, people. the renewing of people and their, their people. true identity in him. The body. Yeah. The body of Christ. And here's the thing also for organizations, and I'll say this. Um, if, let's say, your body and my body, right? my mind's getting a little old. Actually, it'll be the same age, I think. Um, it's getting a little older, right? but the thing is with our bodies, we're getting back, a little, we're getting a little older, bro. <laughs> we are, and we're getting grumpier. <laughs> but uh, uh, actually, for me, the prophetic is beginning to assert itself again. That makes me grumpy. But anyway, well, we'll go. The thing is, on the, your body and mind has ten different systems in it. So it has the endocrine, that's the chemical stuff, uh, the um, the cardiovascular, the blood, and the 
veins and all that stuff. And then the neuro, neurological, that's the brain, nerves, um, digestive, reproductive, da-da-da, right? Ten of them, right? Sure. If your body, let's say, if, if one of them goes down, I mean, and a body, by the way, is a system. Everything's connected to everything else, right? Your body is not linear. It's happening all at once. Yeah, you don't go like, well, I just don't use my cardiovascular. I just, I just, you know, I don't go there. Yeah, I try not <laughs> to use mine, but you have to use it every now and again. It's all happening at once. And so here's the thing. If one of your systems goes down, how are you feeling, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah not, not so good, right? You might be going to the doctor. Sure. Uh, two, two goes down. Uh, now you're definitely at the doctor and you may be in hospital. Three goes down, you're definitely in hospital, maybe in life support. Four's go, four goes down, you're dead. Hmm. Right. Because your system fails, it can't can't contain. So here's the thing: is that we're operating on a two two of a fivefold system. The system cannot work that way. It's not designed for that. So we actually like a body that's got most of our sixty percent of our functions are missing. You know, and I even just think of this from a, like a day to day aspect of because I, I bet we could line up a, you know a hundred Christians, Alan, and ask them. So of those five, Apest, uh, which do you think? in greatest measure Jesus has gifted you you know with you know are you apostle are you more prophetic are you are you for me no I'm saying like if 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 we ask the average Christian they'd say never gave it any thought I know I'm not a pastor because I don't want to have to you know write sermons every week it's like that's not even the function of a pastor anyway so I think you're average Christian but then think about this now as we engage the world we engage culture business healthcare politics uh, you know a coffee shop any of it people are going like well I guess even if I knew which of the five I was more you know in line gifted with um, I guess the only way you engage the culture though is through the gift of evangelism and we don't have a right understanding of that so what I'll do is I'll preach really hard to people about their sin and how different we are and how they need to get in line and start coming to church. And it's like, I only have one system. I only have one channel to go through. It's not even who I am. And no wonder the world, which perfectly operates in the systems, everybody getting to be who they are, goes, nah, I'm rejecting that. That doesn't even fit. I don't even hear that. No, I agree. And I think that's because we we don't have the language to name what is real and share. Language is really important in this. And again, I don't want to get geeky on it, but it's language is a critical part of culture. And the fact that most people don't know what an apostle or a prophet and barely understand what an evangelist is and overload what a pastor is, is a huge problem for, for us as God's people because we are called to attend to theology. God words, they matter. The Bible matters to us. Yeah. We need to reform ourselves with the scriptures now. Hey, so as we start to move towards wrapping up, Alan, I, I have to say, okay, so I want people to begin to understand this more deeply. So I'm going to, I'm just going to say, so Alan is now he's not on the, he's my bro. He's not uh, hawking anything or trying to make another quarter off a book. I want, I want to tell people, get out and get permanent revolution, get five Q like go deeper into this. This is so key yeah. to your own understanding of your own identity and the function of the church as a church body and within culture. But also Alan, I know you've got a really great assessment, online assessment that both individuals can take and you've got even organizational ones, right? Yes. We can, yes. Can we Give the right. links so, to those. We can. Yes. So, so the organizational ones are new, and again, they came directly out of Five Q. In fact, they were precipitating reason why I wrote. So they so they they look at organization, but the the place you can get just about anything related to Apist and at least my articulation yeah. is on Five Q. That is the numeral Five Q letter Central dot com, and then just look under the various links for the tests and the, the assessments and the books. And by the way, really important um, 
for you and me. I mean, you publish uh, the Permanent Revolution Playbook, which is really a good six-week group study where everyone comes to self-insight by, you know, learning together and, yeah. and, and individually. It's a really great resource that CESA can provide. And it's a great starting point for, for staff and teams yeah. just to start to say, hey, let's, let's start leaning into this instead of going, wow, that's too heavy. We'll just stay, yeah. we'll stay anemic and we'll stay really you know, at a disadvantage here. Like, well, let's go for fullness. Let's go for maturity. So, yeah, we'll put links to all that stuff. Yeah, those will go in the show notes. And just one more shout-out on the things that um, – uh, it should be about two months before it's published because it's going to printers right now uh, for print typesetting. Is I have a book which is kind of like, and I mean this in the best sense, like a dummy's version of 5Q, which is, <laughs> which is aimed at really helping what we call L50 level leaders, um, leaders of 50 people in the church, that level, you know, which is where most of us have to live, uh, helping them kind of get a handle on it without you know, having to have a degree. <laughs> Right, <laughs> which means that's going to be super helpful for like people yes. who lead small groups, who lead mission yes. communities. Yeah, yes. we're not talking people who are leading movements. We're talking regular people. And people haven't been to seminary type people too, which you don't have to go to be a minister. You already are one. But we have to educate ourselves, yeah. particularly when the church in this regard has let us down really badly in not giving us a tradition that enables us to talk about apist at all well. No. So, Alan um, – as we're, as we're shutting things down, I have a, a quick story and then a question for you. Um, a couple years ago, you were up here in Tacoma doing uh, the Future Travelers event, and we got a few minutes together, and I was, I was kind of venting to you that I'm kind of wired apostle prophet by nature, and I was in a church that was very shepherdy uh, teacher, and I, was, I thought I was the crazy person. I thought I was going senile, and you had made a comment that you said, you got to remember, Heath, that nobody runs the shepherds out of town. No one's shooting the shepherds. They're mm-hmm. going after the, the apostle prophets. And I was, and then you kind of talked about um, how, how each of those functions plan out, you know, the, the shepherds hunker down and they're going to see that church into a church of eight members that has been around 300 years. And the apostle prophets evangelists are long gone onto something new. And uh, as minimal, I mean, I don't, I'm sure you don't even remember this conversation, but I just want to say thank you because you know, I'm still bleeding for the the future of the church. I'm I'm still yeah. serving the church because of that encouragement, and so I just wanted to say personally, thank you Please. for that. Thanks, brother. And listen, I can just say on on as we tie it up, but honestly, and I can't say this stronger. I believe this more with all my heart that it's all five have got to be active, and the counterbalance is what I, again I call symmetry that each counterbalances the biases of the other, and this is why. I need you to be me. If all apostles hang out, that's not a pretty place to be. To be very honest with you, it's driven, demanding, dead bodies all over the place. (laughs) If all prophets hang out, it gets wacky very often, and you don't have to think very hard about that. You you can see movements go wacky. Uh, Evangelists hang out. It's like an Amway conference, right? Everyone's got something to sell. (laughs) In other words, there needs a balance. All pastors hanging out. Yeah, a lot of back rubbing, you know, but nothing – yeah, whatever. All yeah, teachers, it's all about ideas. In other words, all five need to be in dy- dynamic, systemic relationship to each other. So it's fivefold, not onefold, not fourfold. It's fivefold, at least yeah. fivefold, to be biblical. All right, so here's my question for you. I, I love your, your heartbeat for the Church and the future of the Church, and I think very few people have influenced me nearly as much as you have in thinking about about the Church. My question for you is, it's a little grim, but let's say you had five minutes left to live. What would be your what would be your parting words to the to the church and church leaders and those lay people that something that you would really want to communicate? Mm. 
Well, I, I'm, I'm more convinced, again, the core of our dysfunctions and our problems is that we just don't understand Jesus. Mm. Um, Apis is part of that because I think Jesus is the perfect Apis. But much bigger is that I think the church, which is meant to be the body of Christ, barely it ought to be dialectically um, uh, it ought to be an index between body of Christ and Christ. There meant to be some sort of symmetry there, right? Um, I just think the church doesn't get Jesus. And I think to the degree that we fail to get Jesus right, everything else goes wrong. And um, and so I think our Christology, our, our understanding of who Jesus is and his role within the people of God is pretty screwy. And I think if, if the only thing we do is to correct at that level, fall in love with Jesus again and to see him afresh as the center of the church, I think everything else heals as a result. Jesus must become Lord again as well as Savior, you know? That's beautiful. Well, and that's, that's, yeah, isn't that the gospel that Jesus is Lord and that's it? Yes. Wow. So if you had five minutes, at least you should take 30 minutes in, you know, before your dying last breath to say, and I love Debs like with all my heart and all that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to throw that in there at least, bro. Indeed. I do love Debs. <laughs> She's such a gift to me, man. I'm just so grateful for her. And we were talking even before we started uh, recording this podcast. If you have not heard episode 114, uh, redeeming sexuality with um, Alan's wife Deb Hirsch, unbelievable. She's awesome at this. It's my favorite episode we've ever done. Yeah, this is other, probably the second other than this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys will have to fight about that later. I don't know. I have to see how this edits up. <laughs> no, no, I would take her. She's she's a great communicator, and on topic, she's so good. Hey, Alan, thank you so much for this uh, your time. I know you're crazy busy, but we're friends. But still, man, like to just make the time and get on here with us and and jump on the Skype. I appreciate it so much. I love you. I miss you, man. Talk to you later, okay? Thanks again, brother. God bless everyone. See ya. Cheers. Wow. My mind is fried right now. (laughs) Holy cow. There again, you know, I said this at the front end. We probably should have done three episodes because this topic is packed and Alan is unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Dude, the Hirsch Hirsch family together, like we said just a few minutes ago, episode 114 on redeeming sexuality with Deb Hirsch, his wife. If you've not heard that... I'd encourage you to go back to that. Yeah, we're not we're not hitting that too hard, like for you folks. Like, no. please go check that out. Anyway, dynamic duo. <laughs> well, anyway, we're we're running fast, and we're probably running long a little bit at this point. Yeah, so let's jump into the big three. And as always, I'll send you a printable PDF of this week's big three as a free download. All you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. I would say first one is, uh, and, and Alan sort of said this, that this Ephesians 4 passage about apest, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, is not a leadership passage. Hmm. It, it's to leaders, but it's to every believer. And if you go and look in the context, that's who Paul's talking to, yeah. that the apostle Paul's talking to. And I think it's so key, don't miss it, that that is a passage for you. I read this for years as, okay, so leaders... Yeah, I'm you not know, one. Leave it to the church. This is how people. you'll accomplish everything in the church. Sure. How you will. No, it's the exact opposite. The passage is how the church will grow to maturity in sharing these gifts. And Jesus knew it, so he gave these gifts, sure. which are people, in all these forms, these five forms, this fivefold gifting. So every don't miss that, okay? Yep. Okay, and second um, key from this, Alan sort of wrapped this up, was is key from this passage, and really everything that in our lives as Christians that leads to maturity and unity is a falling deeper in love with Jesus and, and becoming so caught up with his person and his words and understanding his heart hmm. and his life and his mission. Beautiful. So like, it's very easy with someone as smart as Alan to just take this very cerebral, hmm. like, wow, my mind's blown. I'm going to get the book. 
I'm going to read it. I'm going to have the knowledge. Just remember, knowledge puts, puffs up. And I can tell you, being his friend, Alan is so in love with Jesus. We were just, you and I were just talking offline a minute yeah. ago. Like, wow, is Alan and Deb maybe the two nicest people like on this planet? On the whole planet, yeah. You know what it is? They are deeply in love with Jesus, man. Hmm. And so don't miss that as, as, as you try to dive into Apes and understand it. This is Jesus, who's the perfect Apes blend, hmm. who is here to fill the world with his Father's glory. He says, I'm going to give these gifts to you because you're a part of my body now. Uh-huh. And don't take it just as fundaments. You know, like tools in a toolbox. This is the heart of our Lord, okay? Mm -hmm. And then third, we need to believe that the church and your family and your city and all this world need you to embrace this and embrace your full identity in Christ and the gifts that he's given you and made you to be in the world. Mm -hmm. So by blowing off like, well, I don't know. I know I'm not a pastor. But by by understanding the gift that Jesus has given you and then embracing that, we will never see the whole world filled with God's glory. Hmm. And that's God's eternal purpose. Sure. And that won't happen until and unless we learn and embrace the authority and the privilege that we've been given and we act within that and share these gifts with not only the church, but the world. And you Um, think about it, like so many of us, like our highest goal in life within the church is like to be on staff or to like, I'd like to be a I like to be a lead usher someday, you know. Like, yeah. You know, we need those, right? But it's like you're you were not created to ush with the best of them. <laughs> like you you have been gifted as an apostle or an yeah. evangelist or a prophet, and and you need to embrace that, and you need to share that gift both within the church and just out in the world, because God is going to uniquely act and speak within you to show the world what He's like and draw all men unto Himself. Wow, that's beautiful, man. Hey, time is up, but Alan Caesar Buzz kill. You're Buzz kill, man. So it's time's up. Watching the, the clock. clock. I'm like the referee. You know, everyone hates the referee. <laughs> I'm always that guy. We'd like to you think- are wearing a striped shirt today. I, I was wondering why. Big, giant, black and white stripes. <laughs> I got a whistle. I haven't used it. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.